Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Glad you're with us on the Outkick Network, which includes this great radio partner you may be listening to. We say thank you for that, supporting them, and also across the network, streaming live, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and other places you can find us. Just search out Outkick. We'll hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Chad, fast-paced show so far. We've got Armando Salguero joining us in 20 minutes, a bit later, one hour from now exactly. Uh, Andy Staples will join us from on three to talk more conference realignment, expansion, and his pitch for a a conference that includes Notre Dame. I'm going to give my pitch for Harvard and Yale or another Ivy League team to make the move up and join this conference he talked about. And I'm willing to bet right now, not with Phil Mickelson-type money on a bet, but I'm willing to bet that Andy laughs at me and calls me an idiot unlike Dan Dockage when I propose this Harvard plan Uh, that that I've laid out. Well, maybe not. Maybe not because it enhances his his argument a bit I, with I, the conference. I think if you want to laugh at it and, and say I'm an idiot for it, it's because you're saying Harvard would just never, would never do, do it, it. Would never leave the Ivy League. I, I get all that. I'm saying they could if they wanted. I believe that if they wanted to do it and put resources into it, they could compete at the highest levels of FBS college football quickly if they decided to do it. Chad, whenever we've uh, placed bets on apps before, we've – gone low ball for the most part. We, we once had a 17 cents bet through your yeah. account, the final 17 cents. Uh, today I won a $2 money line bet on, I faded my Atlanta Braves in a day game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Braves don't ever seem to play well during a weekday. Yeah. And it's a travel day for them. And the Braves lost 7-5 to the Pirates. So I collected a cool $5.78 on that bet. That counts. That's yeah. lunch. It's lunch money right there. Uh, Phil Mickelson, on the other hand, goes big. And uh, the renowned professional gambler, Billy Walters, has a, a book coming out, uh, and has, excerpts have been released, Gambler Secrets of a Life of Risk. Uh, that's saying something. Uh, he details what he's known about Mickelson's reported gambling habits. Uh, from He cites betting records and then two very reliable sources. And he wrote in the book that from 2010 to 2014, Mickelson made 858 bets of two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, one thousand one hundred fifteen bets of one hundred and ten grand, and that he estimates that Mickelson had losses of approximately a hundred million, while betting more than one billion over the past three decades. Forty-three Major League Baseball bets in a single day, uh, over three thousand bets uh, back in twenty eleven. And as I'm reading through this story, I'm not surprised. This has been a part of Mickelson's background and uh, the rumor mill and how much he's actually lost versus what it's like to, to win on a day where, you know, he's, he's reaping the rewards of a, a massive bet that he's placed. He bet on the Ryder Cup. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, Walters details a conversation where Mickelson called him wanting to put a large sum of money on the Ryder Cup. And he said, hey, what are you trying to, have you heard of Pete Rose? Because right now, you're the, you're the Arnold Palmer of golf currently on tour. Why, why are you trying to screw this up? So he called another uh, renowned gambler and placed the bet uh, after Walters wouldn't, wouldn't help him out with it. Uh, as, as far as the losses and the amounts that have been laid on the table, Walters said, quote, the only other person I know who has surpassed that kind of volume is me. This is not just an obsession, it's an addiction. I don't know how else to describe it from Mickelson's standpoint, but based on the losses and betting over a billion 
and many of it coming on the game of golf, I've also viewed it from this stance. He's also winning quite a bit. It's his money. And the viewpoint on sports wagering right now, Chad, compared to what it was even a decade ago, I view this way different than what I have done in the past. And, you know, now you've got, you know, the insider trading, the insider uh, information that helps out with betting. That's what got Alabama baseball busted. And just this past week, Pete Rose is going to Alabama football to speak to the team. There's photos from the Crimson Tide uh, where Pete Rose is sitting at the table with Nick Saban. Literally months after they had the baseball issue on campus where the head coach is giving away injury information before anyone else would have it so his buddy could make a massive bet. It's just viewed through a different lens now. And what was once oh so egregious that you would bet on the sport that you're playing, potentially bet against whatever information you may have that will help you win, even though you should be betting or helping the team you're playing for win, it's through a different lens now and it's wide open. And what was a, you know, a massive story in the state of Iowa will continue to pop up with details. It was really a 24-hour news cycle. You think about the quarterback at Iowa State that is now worried about defending himself in court instead of actually uh, trying to get the better of an opposing defense in the college football season. It's changed a lot. It's not going anywhere. And if anything, it's only going to grow state to state, but also sport to sport. The money that's being poured in uh, to the programs, to the, to the uh, media outlets that are funding the major conferences across college football, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And I, I think for those that you know, participate on the, the apps like Chad and I do, it's totally normal now in what seemed so foreign a decade ago. Sidebar, but Pete Rose only has one shirt, I'm convinced. It's a white-collared, button-up shirt where the rest of the shirt is a different color. Every photo I see him in these days, he's got that same style shirt on. It's a solid color of a different color than a white collar. <laughs> Every time I see Pete Rose, I swear to you, he is wearing this thing. We've had Pete Rose in the show, and I think he was wearing this shirt. He may have been. But it was probably green that day, and then it was a white collar on the top of it. Same shirt every time. Same story every time, and money is the separating factor here. Yeah. Uh, when we walk outside uh, downtown of any city and there's a homeless person on the street that's talking to themselves, we say, well, they're crazy. Uh, they have mental issues. If a billionaire was walking down the street talking to themselves in their fancy clothes, hopping out of a Lamborghini, we'd say they're eccentric. And that's the difference. They're not crazy. They're eccentric. When you gamble this much – and it's this big of a part of your life, and you don't have a ton of money, and it affects your mortgage payment or your kid's college account or your livelihood in some way, you got a problem. You've got a gambling problem, and it's affecting you and those around you. When you are super rich, like Phil Mickelson, and you can still afford a certain lifestyle, and you're gambling this much, it's, oh, well, he's competitive. You know, he, he just likes to have action on games. No big problem. And I'm not, this is not a social commentary. It's just a fact. I don't think we're going to look at Phil Mickelson and everyone say, man, he needs to check himself into gambling rehab or he needs to do this, this, and this. Now, if he ends up losing everything and it does affect his family and he owes a lot of people money and he's not paying up and he's got debts left and right, then yeah, we're going to say he needs to go and get help. 
for a gambling addiction. But until that happens, it's the difference between being crazy and eccentric. And the only difference is money. That's how we view it. Phil Mickelson's got money, a lot of it. What he does with it is up to him. He's lost a bunch. He's clearly won a lot, too. If the reports are true and what this guy is claiming is true and he's bet a, mil- a billion on it, that tells me he's made a lot. That well, he's putting winnings back into bigger bets yeah. if he's reaching a billion. Because he hasn't made a billion dollars in his life. So he's winning a lot than betting all those winnings on more Yeah, but games. He, he claimed in June of 2022 to Sports Illustrated and maybe also a couple of months ago, he was responding to someone on social media that asked about his gambling addiction. And he said, quote, I haven't gambled in years. I'm almost a billionaire now. Thanks for asking. And in 2022, he, he said his, his gambling became reckless, embarrassing, and an addiction. But they had a falling out, him and Walters, based on uh, Mickelson's refusal to testify in an FBI case against Walters that would have helped Walters' case. And they haven't really spoken since. Now the book's out. Yeah. That explains I, a lot. I, don't, I have no interest in this guy's book, by the way. I just didn't. Another side note. This is, does not sound interesting. The untold to me at all. story of Walters isn't great. No, I don't. I don't really care about I, I, a guy who makes a lot of money gambling on sports. I don't. That's just not interesting to me. I mean, he's really good at gambling on sports. I mean, I guess reading the, the the excerpt about Mickelson is interesting. I'll read some of the excerpts, but I don't. I don't. It's not a deep dive for me into what he did in sports gambling. Uh, Chat deep dive into Ron Rivera's leadership skills right now as the head coach of the Washington Commanders, even going back to, to last year and how it ties in with Eric Bieniemy and his handling of it this week uh, publicly with the media and fans. Well, everyone's pointed a finger at Dan Snyder, and for good reason. He was terrible as an owner and made a ton of mistakes, and that Washington franchise paid the price for his stupidity and his incompetence for years and years. Josh Harris's first role as Commander's owner, he's got a bunch of them, repairing a relationship with the fan base, uh, with the city of, of D.C., with a lot of local government. There's a lot of things he needs to do. One thing he needs to do is evaluate the leadership skills of his head coach, Ron Rivera, because this is now back-to-back years where, in my opinion, he's made terrible lapses in judgment and PR. A year ago, it was Jack Del Rio who said, and agree or disagree, he called what happened on January 6th a dust-up compared to riots that happened in in the wake of the George Floyd death. And he got crushed by the media for it. And then Ron Rivera forced him to apologize. Jack Del Rio deleted his Twitter account. He apologized the team. They moved forward. Everything was fine. And Ron Rivera fined him $100,000 for making that comment. But it said, I support free speech and the right to say whatever you want. But this was a distraction. He caused a problem with the team. And he caused a problem. Thinking, okay. He shared an unpopular opinion that many people have and have stated. But because it caused a problem, it was a $100,000 fine. I don't think he handled it well. Whether you agree with Del Rio getting d- disciplined or agree with what he said or not, I think that was a huge gaffe by Rivera. Now fast forward to this year where Ron Rivera comes out to the media and says that Eric Bieniemy's intensity is an issue, so much so that players have approached him about him being too intense and his intensity. A day later, and this according to the AP, Ron Rivera came back and apologized for the remarks that put him in hot water around the NFL. He said, quote, I basically went up to Eric Bieniemy and said, I put my foot in my mouth. 
I think what I said wasn't as clear as it needed to be. And I think the understanding of it is just the fact that I think everybody is making, in my opinion, a little more than needs to be made of this. Ron Rivera has been around for a long time. That's the end of the quote, by the way. This is me talking now. You've got to be better than this. This is two years in a row that he's badly handled a situation that did not need to happen. This is self-inflicted PR wounds 101. This is first-year head coach stuff. He's talking to Eric Bieniemy, and he goes on to talk about how he's sort of helping him try to get a head coaching job and explaining to him why maybe he hasn't had it before. Maybe he's too intense. Maybe this and that. But he's doing this by laying out the roadmap for how not to handle a press conference and how not to handle your coaching staff. It was incredibly dumb what he said. First off, it sounds completely soft of his players that his intensity caused his players to come up and complain about it. But I, Ron Rivera, by all accounts, great dude. Well-respected yeah. across the league. Yep. But these are just two mistakes that and I, a, I, don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't sound like he's in tune with what was going on there, um, if he's too intense. Also, there, there were uh, former Chiefs players that were coming to BNB's defense on this, Tyreek Hill being one of them, saying it's not too intense. He's just a solid coach. Uh, here's Bienemy reacting to the storylines this week and his media availability with the Commanders Press. Hi. Um, have there have there been instances where players have, um, I guess, struggled to adapt to your coaching style and have come up to you and had a conversation about it? And so before it even goes anywhere, I make it the point to address the conversation because one thing, my job is to be a very observant. I, I got to know the people that I'm discussing and, and, uh, and working with. So my job is to address. If there's something that they may have an issue with, please, let's discuss this. Here's the reason why I felt a certain way. Here's why I said it. Now, okay, I put it back on the player. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard that's uh, accepted by all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that, because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. So it's my job and my responsibility to make sure that I'm getting our guys to do what I expect them to do. There's Eric Bieniemy speaking this week. And Chad, when I heard that for the first time, when he says, it's, if I don't do my job, I'm getting fired, I'm thinking, no, that would be Ron Rivera and you'd be the interim head coach. Yeah. If Josh Harris wants to try that based on results of the season. And look, last well, see, I watch that and I think, why is Eric Bieniemy a guy who's widely known as a terrible interview that can't get a head coaching job because he's so bad at interviews, better at press conferences than Ron Rivera right now? Because I yeah. thought he was better than Ron Rivera at explaining things. Ron Rivera came back and said, sorry, I was confusing but you're making too big of a deal about it? No, you air dirty laundry within your team about players approaching you about the offensive coordinator that you just hired being too intense. That's a pretty big error 
to just offer that up in a press conference. I, I will say Ron Rivera, though, uh, doesn't get the credit of the job he did uh, over the last couple of years, but specifically last year with all of the craziness going on, no leadership. I and mean, he's releasing statements last year because no one else would um, from the org. You didn't hear from Snyder. He wasn't allowed to be a part of it. And his, his wife, quote unquote, you know, uh, is, is running the, the organization when it's clearly Snyder behind the scenes there too a mess and somehow they won eight games doing that with all the injuries and different things going on. So as a coach, he's been okay despite the organizational craziness when he's having to release statements. Not so good. Armando Salguero joins us next to talk NFL headlines. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, I know you've been just, uh, you, you want, you've been demanding preseason football. Mm. You have it tonight. You have five games tomorrow. All the preseason backup football your heart desires. It's like Christmas time for me, Hutton. I say year-round. There's nothing better in sport like preseason <laughs> NFL football season. Those dog days of August. When you're playing preseason games, I live for these moments. Yeah, and uh, we live for the weekly visit from Armando Salguero, Outkick.com, senior NFL writer, covering all things training camp and preseason leading up to kickoff. I, I, I joke, by the way, but I am actually excited to see some level of football with training camp and preseason yeah. games because preseason football means actual regular season football is just around the corner, Armando. It also typically typically leads to a time of year where coaches are involved in a lot of coach speak and not saying much of anything and not bringing too much attention to themselves unless you're Ron Rivera who just rolled his offensive coordinator right underneath the big bus for no reason completely unprompted the other day. I was surprised a guy disrespected made such a big PR gaffe when talking about Eric Bieniemy. What did you make of it? I think it's a tennis term, unforced error, yep. right? Yes. Isn't that a tennis term? It is. And uh, yeah, you can tell I'm a sports writer. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Ron Rivera should know better. Ron Rivera, this is not his first rodeo. Uh, he's been through many rodeos. And in this rodeo particularly, he, he got on top of a horse that promptly threw him into the stands because – why do you have to go there? In, in one fell swoop press conference, he threw his offensive coordinator under the bus by volunteering to reporters that, in fact, some players had come to him to complain about the manner in which Eric Bieniemy coaches his his players and and his demeanor with his players because apparently he's really mean. And then, on the other hand, he threw his players into a kind of like this 
uh, swirling vortex of are they tough enough? Because, dude, if you're an NFL player and the thing you're worried about after practice or at any point during training camp is going to the head coach and asking him, why is Eric Bieniemy yelling at me? Or why is he raising his voice? Or why is he questioning me? You're kind of weak. You're kind of lame, actually. And all of that came out with Ron Rivera's uh, revelations about, you know, Eric Bieniemy and the offense the other day. And, I mean, if you're a player, how can you not just look at it and go, well, it worked in Kansas City. They've got titles. You know, I don't it know, makes man. too much sense. And, and if it's really <laughs> that bad, go to the NFLPA. They've got rules and regulations for how coaches can. Well, the, make the only person we've heard anything negative about Eric, we've heard a lot of negative about Eric Bieniemy. Can't interview. He doesn't really call plays. He doesn't have much of a hand in the offense. And if you watch the quarterback series with Patrick Mahomes, I'll be the first to say I didn't hear him speak. It was Matt Nagy doing everything on the sideline with Mahomes. It wasn't Eric Bieniemy. We've heard one guy say bad things about him as a person or his style as a coach. And, and that was Le'Veon Bell. Or not Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy yeah. in his short time in, in Kansas City, right? So uh, has this been a big issue with him in the past, Armando, with your sources across the league? There is no doubt that Eric Bieniemy is not a shrinking, you know, violet. He is a very aggressive – he coaches hard, as they say in the profession. He coaches guys hard. And that means, you know, he's very demanding and he's very loud and he sometimes uh, gets up in people's faces and so forth. And it is what it is. People know this about about him. There was a time where, you know, there have been players, including Patrick Mahomes, who have, you know, wolfed right back at him. And, and, and it's a grown man's game, man. People, uh, people are emotional and people are alpha males generally. Apparently not many of them on the Washington commander's offense, but still alpha males. And so, yeah, Eric Bieniemy is that guy, but he is not alone in that regard. He is not the only coach in the NFL that yells at his players. So I, I, I would say he's not the only coach on the Washington Commanders that yells at his players. Armando, what's the latest with Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott right now uh, across the league? And what do you expect happens as we lead up to the regular season with those two? They're waiting for capitalism to take over because it's the law of supply and demand. The demand for running backs in the NFL is low. We know that. We know that because, you know, the best of the best aren't getting paid what they believe is uh, fair compensation. That's well chronicled. But what you're talking about now is free agents like Dalvin Cook, like Ezekiel Elliott, like El Leonard Fournette, like Kareem Hunt, all of them who have accomplished things. Kareem Hunt led the NFL in rushing once upon a time. Dalvin Cook is a multiple-time pro bowler. So is Ezekiel Elliott. And Leonard Fournette has a Super Bowl ring as the starting running back for a Super Bowl team. And yet, they're unemployed. And so what I would say to you is that they are waiting for the teams that do have running backs in camp 
to suffer some sort of attrition, to suffer some sort of injuries, to 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 have the situation and change, thereby making them more valuable and more needed. Is it important for any of these guys to get into a camp to quote get their legs? That we hear so much about the running back position, or is that something that maybe is overvalued and they've been around long enough where? they can get in the rhythm and get their legs, even if they're a late addition to a, to a roster. Well, if we're talking about Leonard Fournette, it's not just about getting your legs. It's about getting your gut uh, <laughs> trimmed a little bit, because apparently when he worked out for the New England Patriots, he was a little, you know, overweight. And so his conditioning needed improvement. And I think he's been told that. And I'm expecting that he's trying to remedy that. It's not, you know, like he's uh, rehabbing some sort of injury. You can lose weight in the United States of America in August. It's kind of hot. Go outside. You're good uh, if you want to. With Dalvin Cook, with Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, they're not too worried about getting their legs. They're more worried about getting their dollars. And all of them, all three of them are unsigned because teams want them. Uh, you know, the Patriots want Ezekiel Elliott. The Jets want Dalvin Cook. The New, New Orleans Saints want uh, Kareem Hunt. And, by the way, the Indianapolis Colts want Kareem Hunt. But... Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, and Ezekiel Elliott want more money than what those teams are willing to pay right now, and that's why they are unemployed. Armando, two different quarterback battles, and I would describe them in different ways. You've got what's going on in, in Indianapolis with the Colts. Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew listed side-by-side side as QB1. We know Richardson is starting their first preseason game. To me, I view that as it's his job to lose or prove that he's not ready uh, with Minshew behind him. On the flip side of this, though, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, they need to go out and win this job. And it doesn't feel like Baker has really done that to this point, given the fact that they continue to speak well, just based on reports and observations of the media on what Kyle Trask has done. I think that's more about what Baker Mayfield hasn't done. Baker Mayfield got traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers last year around this time, yep. maybe a little bit earlier. And within a week, everybody knew he was going to be the starter. Meanwhile, he's been on the Tampa Bay Bucks all offseason or practically the entire offseason, and he still has not swatted aside Kyle Trask, who has thrown and completed all of like three passes in the NFL. Maybe six passes. I, I don't. I didn't memorize his gaudy stats. It's a little. It's around twenty-four that, total yards. His completions. That tells you not something about how great Kyle Trask is, because Kyle Trask is Kyle Trask. Okay, it tells you that Baker Mayfield. What up, dude? What's wrong with you? Because you were the former number one overall pick in the twenty eighteen draft. And the guy who has thrown three or six or whatever number of passes for 24 yards in the NFL is, you know, shoulder to shoulder with you in a quarterback competition. If anything, Baker Mayfield, who has 
thrown for 14,000 yards should have the experience factor working on his behalf to where he knows where guys are going to be in practice. He's throwing against air most of the time. You should know what's going on. You should know ball placement. You should know back shoulder and when to do it and when not. It, you're not getting hit. You're not getting rushed. Why haven't you disposed of Kyle Trask? And so that, that makes you wonder about where Baker Mayfield is currently with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How about this for a preseason change-up, Armando? Deshaun Watson will start for the Cleveland Browns in Friday's preseason game against the Washington Commanders. Don't, don't see that much anymore. Well, what do you make of that decision by Cleveland? The Browns have a very good offensive line, <laughs> number one. Uh, the Browns hope that they have a very good quarterback, number two. But that guy didn't show up last year. and <laughs> He wasn't there. And when he did show up from his suspension, which spanned 11 games, I believe, uh, he wasn't the same guy and he was rusty. The only way to get rid of rust, the only way to return to form is to do what you do. Um, You know, when I go three days without uh, firing off some very active verbs into my stories, I lose my active verb mojo. So. My first story back the next week or two weeks later or after vacation, I have to brush up on active verbs. Well, with, uh, you know, the Sean Watson, he's got to brush up on being an elite quarterback, which is what he's getting paid to do. He didn't do it last year. It's time. And he's that's the reason you're playing, my friend. So I watched episode one of Hard Knocks. I, I enjoyed it. I found it entertaining. I thought it was definitely more Hard Knocks Aaron Rodgers maybe than Hard Knocks New York Jets, which I'm sure is what a lot of people want. Armando, you wrote at OutKick.com, though, that you feel like there were some missed opportunities in that first episode of Hard Knocks. Care to elaborate? Yes. Let me put on my uh, you know nerd film critic hat and tell you that I was disappointed because we both know and we all know Dalvin Cook showed up for this – much chronicled visit with the New York Jets, right? So I wanted some inside stuff. I wanted like the behind the scenes. The dude met with the owner. He met with the general manager. He met with the head coach. He met with the quarterback. And he wasn't mentioned. What? Huh? Meanwhile, the starting quarterback, which Hard Knocks went to great pains to tell us, is very good. Thank you, Hard Knocks. I never would have understood this, that Aaron Rodgers, a four-time All-Pro and a Super Bowl winner, was very good. Um, he gave back $35 million this year. He gave back 30, $35 million. He gave it back. N- not mentioned. The negotiation, Not no behind the scenes there. No talk of it. No discussion of it. No one asked Aaron Rodgers about it. But we did give get a lot of how Aaron Rodgers thinks that Liv Shriver is the voice of God, which, by the way, he's not. That was, you know, Facenda was the voice of God. 
And anybody who's ever watched NFL films knows that. Lee Schreiber said that. <laughs> he said Facinda's much better than I am, and he's the voice of God. I, so he gave him credit. The behind the scenes I want to know is what the Jets kept out of the episode because they have final say, the final cut. Um, we're up against it, though. We, we can discuss this in episode two. Maybe they have like a rewind. Uh, uh, Gene Siskel, also known as Armando Salguero, will join us again next week. That's right. And we'll get his full review of episode two of Hard Knocks, Aaron Rodgers. Armando, always great, man. We love uh, each and every week when you join us. And uh, again, football, it just feels right that it's back. It's football season, gentlemen. Let's enjoy it. Let's do it. When the lights went out in Canton, I knew football was back. We're back, baby. That's right. We are back. Armando Armando. Salguero there. Outkick.com is where you can find his great work. Coming up, two more former uh, NFL vets could be joining a very popular sports show. Uh, And a bit later, an ACC head coach, he's accusing others of tampering with his roster. Name names. It's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Andy Staples of On3 will join us. He's proposing a brand new conference that includes Notre Dame. Details on that. And Chad will add to the idea. Can't wait for that. That's uh, in 20 minutes. Hot Michael Hutton and Withrow rolls on. If you're listening to our great radio partner, we say thank you. Streaming live on many platforms, including YouTube. To search out Outkick and hit that subscribe button. Chad, Keyshawn Johnson and Michael Irvin are being considered for Undisputed with Skip Bayless. That We know about Richard Sherman, who's going to join for roughly 50 to 100 episodes, mostly during football season. Uh, Rachel Nichols has been mentioned there. We know Lil Wayne is going to appear on Fridays for a weekly basis with uh, his buddy Skip. Uh, both both Keyshawn and uh, Michael Irvin make sense. We've seen Irvin, of course, on first take. We have seen Keyshawn do the same. And uh, the revolving door has also been a theme of first take when they have special guest hosts or uh, the one-day-a-week analyst. I think that could work in this case, too. And you know, just reading details of, of Irvin, it, the, the saga continues with NFL Network and his role there, based on the allegations and the lawsuit that took place at the hotel uh, back in February, where he was sent home from the Super Bowl. Which looks crazy when you see the video of it and what yeah. his legal team presented. Yeah. I don't know what possibly happened or could have happened in the video they showed. There seemed to be no, no issue with that. Um, I, it's, this makes a little too much sense and not in a good way. Um, I hear Michael Irvin and Keyshawn Johnson, and I think, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. They've they've yelled a lot on TV before at, at ESPN and and in Irvin's case, NFL Network. So I guess that that plays, but lacks creativity. Uh, Richard Sherman is one that to me that would be a natural when he's on Prime Video now on Thursday night. He's had the dust up with Skip Bayless, so that makes sense too. But I like that a little bit more because we haven't seen him in a more common constant role yeah in a show like that where we've seen more of that with Keyshawn Johnson and Michael Irvin so I, I while I don't hate it I, I hear those names and I think yeah makes sense but can we do better if you're in charge of creating that show I'd want to push the envelope and see if you can go a little bit more outside the box and do something better 
Lil Wayne is outside the box as a Friday guest commentator on the show, right? That's one that, okay, that's interesting. He already does the theme song and all that other Don't stuff. Don't know how good it. it's going to be, but that's interesting, right, when you, when you hear that name. So interesting to see where it goes. It sounds more and more like it is going to be just a revolving door of guest co-host. And that's probably the way to do it. Maybe they learned their lesson with, with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. You get strong personalities and big egos together like that, and it's not going to last forever. And that certainly was a relationship that didn't last forever on air. Yeah. And then suddenly you're, you're left looking for someone else. So maybe the solution to that is keep one talent on air and have so many fresh faces coming in to debate that person that it never gets too stale or you don't have too much friction between the two. Yeah, and you have different personalities, but also brands. You know, I would say all these guys have a brand to them attached to their name, and that also lifts the show as well. Haven't seen Rachel Nichols do very much either recently. That would be an interesting one. I, I hear that name, and that, that, that intrigues me. I, I just, I mean, yes, they have brands, but honestly, the brand of Michael Irvin and Keyshawn Johnson is pretty much the same to me. They're kind of the same guy. Michael Irvin had a better career yeah. in the NFL, but I mean, other than that, you know, they're former NFL wide receivers who yell a lot when they get on TV. Okay, that's their brand. Next, let's let's see who else we can get. Chad, the the Padres are yelling uh, and and saying that the Dodgers were grip stealing. They were picking up the grip of uh, Lugo, who was uh, in to pitch, and they racked up six hits in in an inning. Uh, against him, against the starter, uh, two doubles, hit a homer, and after the game, the, the starter, the starting pitcher, Lugo, is saying, "Hey, uh, yeah, I've got a theory here. Padres were also uh, resounding that the Dodgers have said absolutely not. We weren't standing on second and stealing signs. But I've I've long said uh, if you can pick up on tells or if you're tipping pitches, if you can see the grip." I don't, I mean, to me, that's just a part of the game. I, some people look at it different. I, 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 I'm against what the Astros did, you know, with all the cameras and the, the banging of the trash can and everything else. But, you know, that was coming in from behind the scenes in the dugout. And if you could pick up on something on the diamond, uh, you know, if you're giving it away that easily, to me, you're not doing your job on the mound if you've got a, a player behind you on second. I wish this story was out when we talked to Kurt Schilling yesterday to ask about his experience with this and if someone he suspected of stealing their grip during the game. My question would be, did this ever happen to Greg Maddox? I feel like he never had a problem with people, you know, him tipping pitches or seeing what's well, going Randy on. Randy Johnson tipped pitches and he still struck people out. Yeah, well, you're 6'11 and throw 101, you know. you can With that with a cutter also, you can strike well, guys out. based on out. his glove, though. Well, the open and I, I, glove. I say that in... I understand the Padres' frustration. Their season's not gone the way they want. The Dodgers are a bitter rival. They got their ass kicked. And now they're going to point fingers and say, well, they, they hit the ball so well against our star because they're looking at his grip. Okay, maybe they are. It's also something that is allowed if you can pick up on it in baseball. Maybe it's frowned upon. Maybe it's not. But there's got to be. There's a long history of Major League Baseball in this country. There is a precursor and a way to study guys like a Greg Maddox who never tipped a thing. And maybe teach that in your minor league system. Maybe that's something we should look at. Greg Maddox would hold his glove over his mouth when he talked to the catcher so no one was seeing what he was talking about. Greg Maddox would change his grip in his glove where no one could see it. 
the entire time when he came to and from the stretch. So, I mean, study someone who didn't have a problem with this. If it's an issue for you or your staff or an individual pitcher, I'm sure there are guys in the history of Major League Baseball, Hall of Famers, that you can look at and you can find a – Oral Hershiser is maybe someone to talk to about this if you're a, Do, if you're a Dodger, for instance. Well, they were they, if, if you're picking up the – if you're the grip stealing, that would happen regardless of an eight-run inning or not. Uh, the Marlins have complained about this uh, last year, I believe, with the Dodgers. But the, the, the then, excuse then is how, coming out based on the eight-run inning. I mean, you could uh, – okay, then l- let's mix it up. Let's go, go behind, you know, in the stretch, guy at second. Let's show them a grip, and then let's go to the glove and yeah. change the grip within the glove and see if we can throw them off that way. So now if they're doing it, you're really going to cross, the, cross their wires because they're going to signal into their guy what the grip is, and you're going to change it up on them. Do that. I mean, honestly, instead of complaining about it, I'd rather they just come back and do that next time and see if they can mess with the other team for trying to pick off their signals. Davey Hudson has a grip on the strangest headlines uh, today. It's time for Let's Get Weird. And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. Guys, this story is not strange or weird. It's, uh, but I mean, if, if there's anything I do, I'm consistently inconsistent. But just actually following up off the story we were just discussing with the Dodgers and the Padres, there was a date that happened on August the 6th. And uh, we'll, we'll use guy and girl as our, our two people for this conversation. Girl was not happy with the guy because he was apparently betting on the game. And I wanted to play a video in just a second. And this is her complaining about her date. Now, if I had a nickel on this one, we'd be doing really well off. But I just wanted to get your reaction on if this is fair or foul in the way in which this girl is going about this, how her date ended. All right. Okay. I went on a first date last night with this guy and I've actually been excited to go out with this guy. I think he's so good looking and there was like good conversation. He's actually really smart and he's going to like school and stuff. I don't know. He seemed hardworking from like what I could tell. And I don't know. He was giving me a couple green lights. I was like, I'm into it. I'm, I'm kind of into you. Like, let's see how it is in person. So we go out for dinner and drinks, and he was doing all the right things, opening every single door for me, like, picks me up, telling me the time, telling me the place that we're going out to eat. I'm like, okay, I like this guy. Like, I like this. And then we get out to dinner, and he he literally is betting on DraftKings, babe, while we're eating dinner. Like, he's, like, sitting there looking at his bets that he made from the freaking game. No, 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 no. Why are we doing that? I don't like, I don't know. Maybe I could justify it if like you just like quickly look like, mm, did I win? Did I lose? Whatever. No, he's like sitting there watching it the whole time. Then like texting his friend about like how he's like, he won this one and how his friend like bet this. And we are, am I like invisible? Am I not here right now? Like, are we just like at a sporting event? Because I'm confused. He then like just randomly like we're like eating and I'm literally in the middle of talking, and he goes, yes! What? He's like, oh, my bat went through. Are you kidding me? What's, what's going on here? What's happening? What do you guys think? Fair or foul? I think she is fair on a first date to complain about that. Now, Hutton, you may disagree. 
if she's really into this guy the way she just talked about being into him, she could have also tried to participate. Oh, who'd you bet on tonight? What are we watching? What's the score? How are you doing? And then involved herself in the betting and maybe made it more fun for both of them. But I think probably on the very first date, he should put his phone away. Uh, he had his phone out because he's not interested in her. I don't blame him based on the vocal fry and the fact she never <laughs> shuts up. So And the tan lines. Yeah, it was very uh, annoying. Totally fair well, by this guy. Fortunately for us, DraftKings actually he found like, this goes guy. goes to school and like maybe works hard, I think she said at one point. Yeah. DraftKings found this guy, and he actually had a response back to her. Okay, so I guess it's time I tell my side of the story. I'm the guy that went out on a date and was gambling on it, quote-unquote. Um, but let me clarify, I was not gambling during it. I had already placed these bets prior and was just hoping, them to, see, uh, hoping to see them go through the goalpost, right? So I had a couple parlays and a straight bet. The last thing I needed was Mookie Betts over one and a half bases, which is a lot. Come on, Mookie Betts, baby. So we're on this date, and yeah, you know, what she said was accurate. I opened doors for her. I told her where we were going, what time. I picked her up. I was being a gentleman the whole nine yards, as, as you know, every man should. So I'm doing my thing, and Mookie Betts is over for 3. Um, and, I'm, you know, his last at-bat happens, and I'm like, mm -mm. I notice it. I notice his last at-bat's up, so I'm watching. I'm watching. Out of the corner of my eye, she's talking to me while I'm kind of like looking over, and it's all white noise. It is straight up white noise. I I, I can't focus on what she's saying. I'm locked into this to this at bat. So, what does he do? He hits a home run. Oh my god! I lose. I'm like, yeah, of course I am. I just made hundreds of dollars on this dude, several hundred dollars. So I'm like, this is amazing. Paid for the date. And quite honestly, when she walked out of that house, she was sunburned to a crisp. It wasn't even about paying for that date anymore. It was winning her some of this. Because she needed that. Showed some aloe into the camera. Yeah. Uh, I, I retract my previous statement after hearing from and this guy. And I had guy. not seen that clip. That, the, the, the guy won me over. Uh, way more likable with his explanation yeah. than hers. He's and into her. He would be talking the, to her. The explanation for sports fans makes so much sense that you've got the end of this parlay that all it is is yes. one at bat from Mookie Betts needing two bases. Um, now, could he have told her what he was doing and then she gets involved in it? I don't know that she no, he, seemed he, he interested can't get a enough word in. he can't to, get a word to in. want to do that. Yeah, so probably not. And uh, good burn on the sunburn also. Good burn by him on that one. I, I, I like this guy. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because I, I saw this story. and then That was well done, we were just, I'm glad you brought yeah, that to our attention. Well, I mean, we were reading about the, the Dodgers-Padres series, and I was thinking, well, I mean, maybe – it wasn't the exact game they're accusing the Dodgers of grip stealing. But, I mean, if th this happened the night before that game and uh, Mookie hit a grand slam in the other one as well. So, you know, good for this guy. He was able to pay for the date. I once – I think you guys were at the game. I once pushed a date back three hours because the Titans-Miami game kept going uh, into oh, weather yeah. delay after weather delay. And fortunately we – on air that day. Yeah, fortunately I was able to give the excuses like – Hey, I'm technically working, even though I'm, you know, really wasn't. But it's uh, watching sports is working in my line of work, is how I view it. It is, Davey. Well done. Thank you. That was good. That, I, that guy won me over. I, you know, uh, it's it's not normal that the, the guy on the date wins me over, and not the girl. But it was the guy who won me over today. Coming up, Andy Staples will try to win us over on a new conference he's putting together, and Chad will give his addition and pitch for other programs to join. That's next on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow.